everyone, this is April Hansen, the Associate Editor for Arkansas Catholic, and this is our second episode of Arkansas Catholic Asks, where we ask questions of some of our newsmakers in the church about what matters to you most. Today we have Father Eric Polmeyer, the Director of Faith Formation here at the Diocese of Little Rock. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, before becoming Faith Formation Director in 2016, um, he served as pastor, most recently at Our Lady of the Holy Souls Church in Little Rock. He's also our theological consultant for Arkansas Catholic, and you were a fantastic spiritual director on our pilgrimage to Rome last year, um, while also going to be directing one of our um, tours in Germany in 2020. So you must love traveling with us. Oh, very much, very much. <laughs> well, and today we're not gonna really be talking a whole lot about travel, but we are gonna be talking about adult faith formation and what it looks like in 2018 and going into the future. But I do want to just ask you a quick icebreaker question about travel. <laughs> so tell us, what has been your favorite pilgrimage? Well, I was fortunate when I studied in Italy to, to make lots of private pilgrimages. So I traveled around to lots of different shrines. And so there's a number of uh, churches of, of saints and, and different shrines that were very powerful to visit. Probably one that stands out is my patron saint, St. Eric, a saint that most people haven't heard of, but is buried in Uppsala, Sweden, so I made my pilgrimage there. And in general, just is a powerful experience. Uh, to this day, I meet people around the state who came on pilgrimage to Rome while I was a student there. Bishop McDonald would lead regular groups, and people will come up and say, oh, we met you back in 1995 when we went with Bishop McDonald, and that still stands out as such a powerful memory to them. But probably the personal memory that's, that's uh, really significant now is from our pilgrimage to Italy last year because my father uh, was on that trip and he had been to Italy with me before, but this was the first time when he was a deacon. So the, the masses every day that we celebrated in different places, I had him right next to me and then his chance to preach a few times, including at St. Peter's in, in Rome. And so that shared experience with him made, the, made this most recent one really stand out. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Had you gone on other pilgrimages with him before? Well, they came to Italy uh, twice while I was there. So those were pilgrimages in the sense of visiting the different the shrines that were there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yes, that experience there specifically, so familiar places, but a different experience because of sharing that at the, at the altar. Well, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, so getting into the topic today, um, just a little background. Um, you created a state of faith formation report, and for the past two years, you visited with every pastor, faith formation director, various parish leaders in the state to talk about what challenges they have in their faith formation programs and what they see as positives. But what was the most overwhelming feedback you received? Well, I started those visits out of a desire to learn the job that I was asked to do. So becoming the director of faith formation was my first experience of anything as a priest other than parish ministry. So I wanted to be clear really on what kind of support needs to be offered to parishes. And, and so I wanted to learn from them, what do they do and, and figure out from that, what kind of role should I take working at the diocese? And a few things that stood out quickly one was just a gratitude of someone coming from the diocese that helps them feel connected because parishes farther away from the city of Little Rock can feel disconnected. If they're small, they might wonder if they're part of the larger church. And, and so to go there and represent that was really powerful to see that that connection can be strengthened with them. And then I learned about a lot of great programs and the most 
impressive part of all these visits were people in every pocket of our state so deeply committed to their own faith and their great desire to share that faith with others. And so they make uh, different efforts. There are different programs and studies and things. And, and as I learned about those, I realized whatever's going well doesn't need any input from me. I don't need to mess up whatever they're doing well. So I started to focus on, well, what are the frustrations and challenges that they have and how can we as a whole church and as a diocese try to support that? And it didn't take long to realize that the most common uh, fr most common frustration revolves around some version of how to reach the disconnected. So that sounds like people who want to receive sacraments for their children but don't go to Mass on Sundays, or people who do go to Mass on Sundays but don't want anything else when we offer Bible studies and ways to grow in faith, uh, a mentality that faith formation is something done for children and not something done that we do throughout our life. So how to help people make that connection in their parishes. And then the disconnect that everyone is aware of, especially in smaller communities of family members and other members of the community who are Catholic but don't come for anything at all. And so how to connect with them, how to help communities grow. So my thinking about it uh, in terms of what support to offer and even how to just describe the framework of faith formation revolved around that. How do we address those concerns? How do we help to connect with the disconnected? Well, and that information really coupled with attending national conferences that talked about faith formation um, really led to this 14-page report. So what's interesting to me is it's not pointing to a one-size-fits-all program, though it does list various programs that would be helpful to parishes going forward, but it's more of a strategic plan to help leaders understand where the laity is at in their individual faith. So why is it so important to understand where a person is at in their faith life before asking them to get more involved? You mentioned the national conferences and, and in addition to visiting parishes to get my head around the idea of faith formation. I, I was going to conferences and reading books, recent books mostly, about how do, we, how do we accomplish this task of faith formation and move beyond just the notion of religious education as classes that are presented to faith formation that involves not only learning but practice, service, even social connection that people have with each other. And, and reading all of that reaffirmed many of the concerns I heard in parishes, but it also highlighted the fact that we often try a one-size-fits-all approach that doesn't work. And then we get frustrated because we put a lot of effort into something. And so I would hear descriptions of par from parishes that would say, we found this study, we really tried to promote it, we talked about it with everybody, we put materials out, and then the same old people came. So what that reflects to me is two things. One is that we offer something that we hope will reach other people, new people, and that the people who do typically come to everything are kind of finished products. And so then the frustration is that this program that we tried hard to promote didn't really accomplish what we wanted it to. And it, it made me realize that a program is really designed to meet a person at a certain stage in their faith life. And if somebody hasn't reached that stage or is ready to move beyond that stage, then no single program is going to offer them the growth that they need. So the programs can be good, but we need to be more strategic in really examining who are they likely to reach and who are we hoping to reach 
so that we can make more strategic choices about where we spend our limited resources of people and money and time and all of that so that we can affect the people that we are trying to reach instead of just being frustrated that it didn't reach the people we hoped for. Mm -hmm. And I do want to be clear, it does focus on adult faith formation, and that was very purposeful. Right, that, that yes. Mm -hmm. Because of that mentality that we, we, we tend to think of faith formation as teach classes to children. Mm -hmm. and, and we're trying to plant seeds for the life of a person in the time we have them as children, but it's abundantly clear that if it's not a shared work between parents and a parish, it won't result in lifelong faith like we hope. So as a parish, we have to not only look at what are we providing for the children, but how are we helping their parents grow so that the parents can take on the role they have, a role that the parish can't fill anyway. And in this need of recognizing the stages of growth, one, one of the things that was somewhat new to me is that for decades, anything about faith formation and catechesis has really tied it to evangelization. So the official church documents that talk about the need for catechesis never talk about it separate from the need for evangelization. And it's important then that we not only see how those are connected, but we understand that there's a certain order, a progression in those. So that someone's not really ready for catechesis mm -hmm. until they have been evangelized, until they have come to an awareness of the importance of Jesus in their life, only then does it make sense to them that the teaching of the church will deepen the relationship that has begun with Jesus. So the connection of evangelization and catechesis is really essential. Well, and that's kind of how the levels work, is my understanding. So let's talk about, you know, the three levels, really, um, making of disciples, maturing of disciples, and missioning of disciples, and how that connects to evangelization. So talk about just a little synopsis of each of those levels. Part of the reading that I was doing led me to uh, a man that works in evangelization full-time, Deacon Keith Strom. He started out working in the Diocese of Chicago and now does a more full-time evangelization ministry in Chicago, but not through the diocese. So we had him come to Arkansas and lead a continuing education for priests in, in the spring. So he talked about paradigm shifts in parishes and, and how we have to be more intentional about missionary, a missionary mindset and how do we engage people in the sense of evangelization. So he laid out for us the different stages of growth to kind of get a sense of broad categories of where someone might be. And so those stages include what you mentioned, the, the making of a disciple, the maturing of a disciple, and the missioning of a disciple. So the making of a disciple is a recognition that someone has maybe no connection to faith at all, or maybe a kind of a superficial connection to the church, maybe culturally they've inherited being Catholic, but they haven't made it a part of their life and, and haven't had the awakening of faith that really is a response to a call from Jesus. So if we hope to help someone grow in faith, part of our effort as a parish is what are we doing to make disciples? And what that takes is something very different than somebody who has had that encounter and now wants to deepen their knowledge of the faith, which would be more the maturing of a disciple. And in, in general, one of the key transitions in that time is how willing is someone to prioritize their time for faith. So in the maturing of a disciple, you're dealing with people who are willing 
to commit some of their time to a small group, to a Bible study, something they have to work into their schedule. And very often the people that we hope to connect with hold up as one of their primary obstacles, I don't have time. So if we're going to make disciples, we have to be looking for other kinds of encounters that are not just sign up for this study, commit more time, when already they don't have enough time to come to Mass on Sundays. And so we have to think of something very different. And in that making stage, it's going to be much more invitational. It's going to be more one-on-one -on -one kind of interaction. It's going to be individual people of faith who become witnesses of their faith to other individuals. So less likely to revolve around a program and more likely to work because of missionary-minded parishioners who are invitational in what they say. And then in that second stage of maturing, then we are willing to commit more time and effort. And what's needed in that stage is something of a, a structure, a framework, so that we don't just randomly pick out various good parts of the church's teaching, but see them as a whole, as something that we can progress in to become adult, mature disciples. And the, the church has already offered us a framework for that in the, the National Directory on Catechesis. They have the six tasks of catechesis that highlight really every aspect of Catholic faith leading toward number six, which is a missionary mindset. And that is the being a witness to other people in faith. The third stage broadly is the missioning of disciples. So once someone has begun to become more mature and becomes better versed in not only the church's teaching but also their personal story of faith, then they are sent out to engage other people. And what's needed in that, that stage of growth are often practical tips on how do I interact with somebody? How do I avoid overwhelming them with what I want them to know instead of hearing them? So it could be skills like active listening, where I'm actually letting them tell me their stories so that I don't come across as a know-it-all, as judgmental, and push them away when I'm trying to invite them closer. So each stage needs something very different. So you might have a small group study, but maybe the small group study to mission disciples isn't over another section of the Bible, but is over practical skills of interacting. And so the general stages, really, they model how Jesus approached his ministry. So he invited people, he went up to them and said, come close to me. And when they accepted that invitation, then he spent time with them and he taught and he shaped and he molded. But then pretty quickly, he said, okay, now go. And so we have the sending of the 72 disciples, for example, where he tells them before they probably thought they were ready to go out and share not a deep knowledge of the faith, but to share how Jesus has affected their relationship. So in the church, we obviously should be modeling the life of Jesus. So to make a disciple, it's an invitation, come close to Jesus. Once that awakening happens, then we spend time knowing what did he really teach. And then we recognize that part of what he taught was go and make disciples. And that's an expectation he has for all his disciples, not just certain professional disciples that we might have in the church, for example. Well. So how can, because I'm guessing that some of our listeners might recognize themselves in one of these stages. So how can someone who is listening right now really incorporate this kind of 
um, understanding in their own spiritual life. Um, you know, for example, if they're a catechist or a grief ministry leader or a parent, a young adult, how does this relate to them? To, to grow personally, I think it, it starts with identifying myself more completely as a disciple. And in this report that you mentioned, I tried to articulate that to help people be strategic, to pinpoint what area of being a disciple should I give more attention to. So in that description that I have in there, it starts with knowing and trusting Jesus, which means recognizing that God is close to us, whereas I think a lot of Catholics have a notion of God as real but distant, as God as the end goal when we get to heaven instead of God as active in my day-to-day -day life now. So a disciple is someone who recognizes I can trust Jesus to guide me day-to-day. The second aspect of being a disciple is to know what Jesus taught. And so we, we need a broader sense of what Jesus taught. We have a tendency to lock in on one aspect of Jesus' teaching that resonates with us. But of course, if you really broaden that, Jesus challenges all of us. Uh, he's never one to let us just be comfortable, but to say it's great that you find strength here, but let's look at this area where you could grow and that might challenge you. So learning what he taught in a broader sense is part of being a disciple. Then part of it is our effort striving to follow what he taught. He doesn't expect that any of us live it perfectly, but we should have the intention every day of walking closer with Jesus in the way we live. And then the fourth part of being a disciple is our ability to take all of this and describe it in a personal way. Not just what does the church teach, but also how has that mattered in my life? Where do I draw, draw strength for the normal challenges that make up human existence? Uh, and then if we grow in all of these areas, we are more fully disciples. So an individual Catholic who might be listening to this could think of those four aspects and say, what do I need really? Do I need to broaden my sense of what Jesus taught? Do I need to pray in such a way where I realize he's closer to me than I thought? Or do I need to practice being able to tell somebody personally how this has mattered to me? So in the report, then you, as you mentioned earlier, there are recommendations depending on where we want to focus. So my recommendation to parishes is not necessarily you should start here, but to do some assessment, whether that would be for an individual catechist or a, a whole parish, where do I need to grow? And then in that report, there are recommendations. So one example of a recommendation, I think, is, is that fourth part of being a, a disciple. How do I share this in a personal way? And included in that is a recommended worksheet that's called Discover Your Story. So it, it doesn't require any particular knowledge of the church's teaching, but it takes what we have experienced throughout our lives and helps us recognize that God has been there. And so it can help us articulate, what's my image of God? How do I really picture Jesus at work in my life? And it asks us to reflect back on the, the stories of our life where we can identify more consciously God at work. So they might have been positive experiences, they might have been negative experiences, but the better we get at realizing God is in both, the more confident we are that God is in our life today. And then if we practice sharing that with people, then we become evangelizers. And we don't have to stand on a street corner and aggressively approach people, we have to have a kind of conversation with the different people in our life that reflects God at work in me.
Well, and it's interesting because you mentioned in the report how it's important to make sure that leaders are rooted in their faith life, and that's kind of what you're talking about, really discovering that story, before they go out and really kind of recruit more. I guess it's a different way of putting it, but kind of explain that and why it's important not to cast too wide of a net. So the, the, the idea of, of working on our own faith life, and in the report, one of the very first premises really revolves around Jesus' image of trying to build on building, you can build on stone or you can build on sand. And in whatever effort we are giving, we could describe it as building, building our families, building our communities and parishes, building the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells us then, if you want to build something that stands through the storms, you have to have a solid foundation. And so the solid foundation is being a disciple. And if I am a disciple, then I can expect God to work through me so that my efforts bear fruit. If I'm trying to do it on my own, then not only am I on shaky ground, but then any fruit that might come is limited by my ability instead of God working through me. So it connects us to Jesus so that we in fact are branches on the vine to use another biblical image so that the fruit that we bear really is because we're rooted in Christ. And so sometimes I think we get good ideas and we want to launch those ideas and hope that they will have an effect, that they will bear fruit. But what I'm recommending to parishes is that when we get a good idea, that the first thing we do is step back and ask, who's gonna accomplish this idea? And not presume, oh yeah, they're disciples because they're active in the church. But to step back and ask, how are they able to speak in a personal way about faith? How are they able to let God work through them to bear fruit? And instead of presuming that, it's worth our time to make sure, to step back, to reflect with the people who are going to be involved in any effort so that we're practicing sharing our faith with each other and therefore more likely to bear fruit when we engage other people. Well, and it's interesting because you mentioned about standing, you know, it's not everybody standing proclaiming their love of Jesus on a street corner. And I think I kind of go back to evangelization is a scary word for Catholics, mm -hmm. it seems like, um, which is ironic because our church really stems from Jesus. And that's exactly what he asked his disciples to go out and do. So why do you think evangelization is intimidating and really what does it really mean to evangelize? Because again, I think people just have a, a different view of that word. Mm -hmm. Well, I think to evangelize, we, if we take what Jesus said, he said, go and make disciples. And when he sent out those first of his disciples, they weren't trained in theology. They hadn't spent years and years and years developing their ability to argue the truths of the church or to defend accusations that people make. They were simply talking about the difference Jesus had made in their life. So I think about the Samaritan woman at the well, for example. She had a very brief interaction with Jesus that revolved around the sins in her life and Jesus invited her close and in a very short amount of time, she went into the village where she was and she said, come and meet him, you won't believe what he has done for me. And, and so we have people that, that can share their faith and evangelizing means speaking about how God has worked for me. And, and that opportunity to evangelize takes on different forms. There are people that would stand up in front of a crowd and talk about the difference Jesus has made in their life. Or it might be somebody having coffee with a friend 
And as that friend reflects with them, my mother just got a bad health diagnosis, I tell, I share with them about my own mother's story and how my faith and her faith gave us strength as we faced this difficulty. So someone might not consider that evangelization, but it very much is. It is taking your own experience of God and sharing it with somebody who might not be connecting their experience with the place of God in their life. So when I mentioned we have to learn how to share our faith, we need to become well-versed in our story. And then to go deeper, we probably need to think through how we share that faith in different contexts. So we might have a 30-minute version of our story when somebody really is interested and we have the chance. Or we might have a two-minute version when we're standing in line at the fish fry. So we need all different versions, but the goal here is not to teach. Uh, the goal is to share what I have experienced in my life. And the easiest way to do that is to pay attention to when I face the challenges that are part of human life, how does God help me with that? And if that starts to affect my conversations, I can be an evangelist even if I don't even directly say anything about the church's teaching, but simply point out that I have found strength and that becomes appealing to other people who are also searching for strength in the challenges of their own life. Well, and this report is very exciting because it has a lot of very, you know, good directives and really good starting places for parishes that may just not be sure how to go forward in their faith formation programs. But um, along with excitement comes this, you know, desire a lot of times to let's implement it immediately and let's start, you know, doing this and this and this. But why, how long is it going to take to really put these strategies into practice? What well, takes from now on, basically. <laughs> so it's not something you put a time frame on. And I think it's part of our, our difficulty with all of this is that we tend to think about this in blocks of time. And so we might think about it in terms of an academic year where we teach kids over the course of the same months that they're in school. Uh, or it might look like the years that we have somebody uh, in their youth to educate them. Or it might look like an RCA program where we take people and we teach them for this amount of time. And so we implement a new program to start for next year until somebody comes up with a new program. And it's the wrong mentality because it does create this mindset of faith as something practiced in blocks instead of just part of who we are. So really faith formation over the course of a lifetime is something that we are implementing throughout our life. And in terms of the work of a parish, you, you start putting pieces together so that there can be growth. So if you want to connect with the disconnected, for example, what it's going to take is not just the priest that wants to do this, but individual faithful people who start recognizing the opportunities to share their faith, to invite people. And once you start multiplying the number of people that are comfortable with that, then you start to increase that kind of outreach. So you could do more programs or you could do more individual contact at mass or at social gatherings. And then it just starts to be the rhythm of the life of the parish, that we have people working in this, and then as a new person comes forward, God works through them, and they might identify some kind of evangelization or outreach that hadn't been happening, 
And so it becomes more organic. It's not locked into a program. And, and also the, the mentality that we have about the timeframes and education is causing many of our children to think of their religion as a subject in school. And so even if they like what they learn, they have a tendency to treat it as something I graduate from rather than something that becomes a part of their life. So in, in terms of time frames, we have to think about it as an always time frame. Uh, now, in order to initiate some new approach, then we just have to be patient. Uh, I, I, I'm not told any parish that it needs to happen by next year or by this time, but this is a years long approach and that we put pieces together so that it can bear fruit in new ways. So it's okay if it takes a long time. Uh, it's more important that we go slow and build that foundation on stone than it is that we make changes because we're frustrated and we try something else. Many parishes have tried new things and have gotten more frustrated when they don't work. So instead of talking about when, uh, the, the goal is going to be accomplished, I think we have to just start with what can we do today and how do we start to multiply the people that can bear fruit because they are disciples. And then it starts to multiply and expand from there based on the people and how God uses them. And I really wanted to, this is my last question, I wanted to kind of wrap it up with, you know, what really is the reason for all this? Why is it necessary for the Catholic Church to really take a look at its faith formation um, foundation? Well, if we're serious about our faith, then we have to realize that it's a respond to Jesus and it's taking full advantage of what God wants to give to us. He makes us to be his sons and daughters but sometimes we don't live our, our faith in terms of a relationship as a son or a daughter. It becomes a commitment that we make to an organization and so it doesn't become as life-giving uh, for even people practicing it as it should. It doesn't become as strong of a witness for a world that needs to know God is close as it should. So the, the reason for doing all of this is to really get back to basics and say, what does it mean to be a person of faith? How does that shape my life so that I live the way God made me to be and that my life becomes a witness to a world that struggles often because of not recognizing that God is close. So we tend to talk about how we measure success by more people show up, more kids are in our programs. And by itself, that's not a very good measure because if we have a lot of people who don't turn into sons and daughters of God, then having more people isn't really accomplishing what we want. And I think sometimes we presume that our real goal is faith-based, but if we don't articulate it, our goal often becomes practical about numbers and growth instead of are the people that we are with really becoming sons and daughters of God. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today about something that really should be important to every Catholic. And this report, you know, it's, it's impossible for us to talk about every aspect of the report. I mean, it's right. only 14 pages, but there's a lot to unpack. So anyone that wants to go look at the report, it's on our Diocese of Little Rock website at dolr.org. 
Um, but we'd like to end our Arkansas Catholic Asks podcast with a prayer relating to evangelization. And do you have one to share with us today? Sure. So we begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we thank you that you call us to share your life, that you make us your sons and daughters. We pray for hearts that are open to hear your voice calling us so that we may in fact come closer to you and allow you to mold and shape our lives. Overcome our fears that we have about sharing our faith and help us be more deeply committed to the value that this brings not only to our own lives, but to the whole world so that we can take your command and put it into practice to go and make disciples. Open the hearts of all your children so that we as a church may become more faithful and better witnesses to your love in the world. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Father Eric. It has been a pleasure, and this is Arkansas Catholic Asks.